us this week for a conversation with the Booty Shake and Vienna-based DJ duo, Acht Brusta. Listen to G and Philippa talk about their experience of gender and sexuality in Lisbon and Vienna, creating queer Brazilian funk dance spaces in Vienna, and of course, their ever-changing metamorphosis. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your name and pronoun? G. <laughs> she, they. Yeah, Philippa, she, they. Okay. Mm-hmm. Say your name again. G. G. Okay, so G and Philippa, yeah. welcome to the Queer Truth. Thank you. So this is my little podcast where we're just talking about everything and chilling out. And one of the things that we brought up was about safe spaces. I know I want to talk about partying with y'all. I want to talk about being migrants in Vienna. <laughs> <laughs> but first of all, tell me where you're from. What do you do? So I'm from Curitiba in Brazil. Um, I've been out of Brazil for about 10 years now. I am currently studying. And yeah, we DJing together, Achterbrusta. And mm-hmm. want to do more things also with that. But for yeah. now, that's, that, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I came from Portugal, Lisbon. And I moved out maybe around like five years ago. Uh, I went to Amsterdam first and then I came to Vienna and now I'm actually working and living in Yeni Bissau. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just here for the summer. And how did you two meet? We actually met in Portugal, in school. In high school, <laughs> still. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> A long time ago. Yeah. yeah, we were in the same group of friends, like mostly, and then mm-hmm. one thing led to another. Yeah, and then here everyone we are. moved out. And everyone moved out, yeah. So you're like um, hometown escapees. <laughs> In a way, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, Philippa came to Vienna first and then I visited the city. I was like, ooh, it's very nice. I and you liked there. it. I loved it. Okay, loved it. and do you still love it? I still love it. Yeah? I think I also love it a little bit more because I don't speak German. So if anybody says something inappropriate to me on the street, I never know it. Because <laughs> I don't know what they're saying to me. Yeah. But that was actually why you liked Vienna, because you felt like people didn't really for stare sure. at you here. Yeah, for sure. You know, about being like mask looking and whatnot and having also people. I am like, I always say that I am the horror for especially children and old people because they're both children are like, what are you? I don't know. What is this? How to address boy, girl? I don't know. And with old people, they're like, mm, the gays, you know, it's either one of those. Uh, but I feel like here people, I don't know, stare a lot less or say a lot less things at least. Is that how you find it? Uh, I mean, a little bit, yes. I also feel like compared to Portugal, um, you have a lot less, I don't know, these stereotypes of, I don't know, femininity and masculinity here. I mean, it's still present, but not like so much. And yeah, but I mean, I'm mostly fan presenting, so yeah. But just being out on the street, like with G, for example, mm-hmm. people used to always comment or say stuff like, oh, what a waste of a woman. Yeah. <laughs> Things like this. It's almost funny if it wasn't so sad. <laughs> you know? There's this really cool expression in Brazil that like because Brazilians laugh in text like with K's, so it's mm-hmm. kaka kaka kaka. Mm-hmm. And there's this thing of like kaka kaka crying, which is like <laughs> laughing so much but not to cry. <laughs> exactly. Love you a lot of it. 
Oh my gosh. I think it, you have the exact best uh, sort of like analysis of that because I come from a really homophobic place too and I deal with it with a lot of humor. And I find that it's so healing because when you get over um, how evil it is, it's so absurd actually. Yeah. <laughs> it really yeah. is. It really is that you stop on the street and you look at someone and be like, I will take the time of my day to say, mm, boy, girl, I don't like it. Like, I don't give a shit if you like it or not. Like, why would I care? I don't care. <laughs> or even just like, I don't know, people's ideas of, I don't know, of like what, like two people being together, like, no, you can't because like you're two women or, yeah. or something like this. It just feels very like, huh? Like utterly absurd, I think. I have two nieces, mm -hmm. and they live in the U.S. Um, for most of their life. So they're, although they're Brazilian, they've been born in not born, but raised in the U.S. for a long time now. And especially my youngest one, every time she comes, they come over about like once a year, more or less. And every time she comes over, she's so confused. She's like, Aunt G. He is doing this. And then they're like, no, no, it's she. And she just gets so confused <laughs> by the idea that like, she, oh, she'll ask me like, do you wear panties or boxers? So she'll try to figure out, I'm like, you know what? It's funny because I do wear boxers, but I am a girl, right? For her, I want to also especially be like on that sense of like, you know, girls can look like this also, you know? But she's all so confused. She never knows anything, but you know, she, she loves me and that's what matters. But. It's funny to see that confusion, like with something so. Yeah. And even know, when they were younger, one time, like we were FaceTiming because you was living <laughs> in the US also for a bit, and we were FaceTiming, and um, one of her nieces just asked, like, oh, is this your sister? Yeah. <laughs> That's but true. I mean, they were like maybe five or something, I yeah. guess, yeah. And we were like, no, no, this is my girlfriend. And they were just like, no, you That's can't, not That's not possible. And then she was like, no, it is possible. So she went around the house to like the mom, the grandma, the grandpa, the dad, like asking if it's possible that two girls can date each other. And everyone was like, yes, yes, it's fine. And she was like, I can't believe it. Only Aunt G can do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you're like a superhero. You're like a gay superhero now. <laughs> so you're amazing. That would be the way. Yeah, absolutely. And apparently she was like, hi. Only Chia G, only Auntie G. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> You're gonna find out that it's not just me. There's a lot more people like this out there. You just don't get to see it a lot, right? Yeah, it's just wait until she's like, oh, you're a lesbian? You should meet my aunt. hundred <laughs> percent. Aren't you the king of the lesbians? <laughs> I remember that makes me, uh, when I came out of the closet to my friends, in, I was, I think, 14 at the time, um, I had a friend of mine who was a very big jokester and at the time I was a little bit self-conscious about coming out because I was like, oh, what if she's like trying to be like playful about it? I know she would never mean it in a bad way, but sometimes like I was still not ready to like be playful about it. And I was a little bit scared of telling her, but uh, at some point I, I, I came to her and I had told all the rest of the group of friends and I said, say I didn't tell you before, I was just feeling a little bit self-conscious about this, but you know, like... I said, you know, Emily from Pretty Little Liars? I'm like her. I like girls. And she said, um, girl, why didn't you tell me before my aunt is gay? Oh, I was like, really? She's like, yeah. She goes to Pride every year. I was like, okay. Not so, a big deal. No. So you were like hyping it up in your head? For sure. For sure. I had been hyping it up for two years in my head. Like, do you think it's like even important to come out? 
like to the to people because like straight people don't come out, mm-hmm. right? So we have to come out. Yeah. But like, what was the thought process around that? Were you like, I have to to tell them, or were you just like, okay, I just really want you to know the real me? I mean, I I I found out about the idea of homosexuality uh, because I had um, I was doing some theater classes at the time at my school. I was 12 and uh, there was this girl who was like a year younger and I was like really into her and I didn't understand that. I was just like, yeah, we all feel this obsession with all of our friends. It's a normal thing that we all as humans do, right? Um, And her friends started coming around and calling me, dyke, dyke. And I was like, what? So then I went on the the internet. I was like, I'm not dead. You haven't Googled yourself? I Googled it. (laughs) I Googled what dyke was and I was like, oh no. No, I don't know. And I found a channel that was um, my salvation at the time was called Lesbian Answers, in which was uh, this girl called Jenna Ain, and she had she posted a bunch of videos just explaining a bunch of different concepts about like how do you know if you're like a girl? How do you know if you're a lesbian or bisexual? How do you know this and that? So I watched a lot of that, and I went through a lot of like I can't believe how could it be me? Uh, Why why did I have to turn this way and what's not and what's not? And I was like 12 at the time. And so that was a kind of a process of two years for me to like fully accept myself. And I tried to tell a friend of mine when I was 13 and she was just like, no, no, you're not. (laughs) Not in a bad way. I think she just like, was it like there, what? That's not a thing that happens. Yeah. Like that's not a thing that happens, right? Right. People are not really gay, right? I don't know. It's like, we all go through that. We all have crushes (laughs) on our best friends. Wow. Isn't that hilarious when like closeted people are like, yeah, so that's absolutely normal. Um, But it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. It's like, maybe, maybe you're bisexual. Really think about it, you know? Uh, but at the time, you know what, after I, I accepted that for myself, I wanted to tell people because I wanted to be truthful about who I was. I wanted to be able to, you know, I sat around all my friends and I heard them talk about, I like this boy, but he doesn't like me or I went to this party and the boy I like made out with a friend of mine and not me and blah, blah, blah. And I felt like I always had to like kind of sit out on these conversations because like I felt like I couldn't just be like, oh my God, same, the girl I liked like rejected me or something mm. like that, right? Especially with my parents in that sense, right? I wanted to create a bit of like, be able to share a bit or not hide such a big part of my life and of my struggles at the time. So for me, it was important to come to come out at that time, but not because I think implicitly people should have to come out, but it's since everyone was expecting me to date a boy and was especially telling me, you'll never get a boy with the way you're dressed. <laughs> you know, a boy would never want a girl like this. You have to wear dresses and this and that. It was also kind of relieving to be like, yeah, fuck off. Let me wear whatever I want because I don't want to be with a boy then, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it was very important at the time to do that, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think ideally, in an ideal world, like no one would have to come out because people would just accept you naturally, whatever your choice is or whatever mm-hmm. you choose to do. But I don't know. I mean, I also have a bias. I feel like everything we do is political. So even in our private lives, like it is political. And I feel like um, because I'm bi and I came out. So my parents were never like super involved in my life. So they also never knew anything about my dating life. But I came out to them maybe a year or two after I was dating G. 
<clears throat> and mm-hmm. yeah, it was also about that expectation to break the expectation that like, you know, I will marry a boy and have kids with a boy and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but I feel at least, I don't know, on my own journey, I think right at the beginning when I understood like I wasn't straight, it also came a lot of this thing that like, no, but I'm still me. I'm still like, this changes nothing about me. So like, I don't have to say it to everyone and I don't have to like scream about this to mm-hmm. everyone. So I can just, just act natural and be myself and whatnot. But I feel like that was also a lot of internalized homophobia because if I don't do anything, I mean, nobody will ever also point fingers at me or do anything at me and I mean there's already the the fact that like I'm femme presenting so like nobody would ever look at me and think gay maybe more now but not definitely not back then and I think when you actually own up to your gayness or your queerness then yeah and you fully fully accept it I mean you don't have to like parade it but I think coming out and making a statement or saying like I exist and I'm valid and this is a reality is important I think for sure I for sure was a token gay in my school (laughs) (laughs) both there and at the school in in Portugal when we met it was me and this other boy who were the only like but you were like two gay stereotypes I was okay yeah for sure for sure but I also had a terrible reputation because I I was sleeping in class a lot also, so but yeah. Like we have to forgive her, she's gay. <laughs> so exhausting. Oh my god. <laughs> it's too exhausting being this fabulous. Exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah. tell me about Act Busta. Mm-hmm. What is it? You go because you've created the whole <laughs> So Act Brusta started with a very Maybe it was a, a bit of a straightforward objective in the beginning. It was more of a thing of like, we both really like dancing and listening to Brazilian funk. But there's basically no one really doing that in Vienna. So what if we just did that, you know, right? And I had had a little experience DJing before. Philippa has always wanted to DJ. So like that was the moment to like, to, <clears throat> yeah, to get together and do it. Um, and so it started with, with, kind of that idea of just like, let's just do a Brazilian funk party, which was the one that we did here back in October, no, November last year. Um, and it was great, and it was so much fun. And after that, we were just kind of like, oh, maybe we'll do it again another time. And, and more opportunities came through and it was very exciting to be able to like show this to other people. But it definitely, as, I think we stopped and we started asking more questions about mm-hmm. what did Achtbrust, what did we want to do if we did if we were gonna have a place to maybe express ideas or creativity or have a platform of so, some some shape or form, um, what did we want to do creatively or whatever intellectually? Uh, so it's definitely. And for me, I remember we talked about this, that for both of us, mm. it was very important that Achtebrusta was a space of metamorphosis. That like, it was always forever changing and being what we needed it to be or what we wanted it to be at, at, at a time or at a space. Yeah. I mean, I think it also started very much from this place where... I mean, actually, the name Achtebrusta started because uh. we, were, we thought about like, creating like, a lesbian <laughs> bar with like, our flatmate at the time and her girlfriend. Mid pandemic, um, yeah, I might add. 
and it was afterwards because there were four of us and after that like it kind of died off like we never really did anything on it yeah. and a couple of years later we were like no we really need like a creative outlet because yeah i mean my background like academically i never really had like anything creative to do and then G was in at university still and we were really feeling this lack of stuff yeah, like sure. a lack of creative outlets and then we're like okay let's do something but like we have to be careful about like we're, what we're posting online because like it will stay there forever mm-hmm. so that's why we also emphasized so much like this metamorphosis aspect because like we're always changing and sometimes like we might do something or say something that like then we don't identify with like later on or whatnot and yeah and it just became this more like i don't know personal project or personal like venting <laughs> place where we could just like do I don't know the creative stuff that we wanted mm-hmm. and then yeah morphed into something totally different than we had like imagined yeah yeah <laughs> for sure and i don't know it gave us a lot of opportunity to meet a lot of people also which was very cool with it yeah especially since i don't think either of us had was feeling so much at home in vienna yet or had that sense of community and whatnot and it was very nice to be able to meet people along the way and share yeah Something that we both really liked also with people, right? Which was and we were so surprised that people were actually into it and had such like a positive response. Even though I mean, like, we've barely been DJing for any for sure. time, and still people were very like supportive and for sure. always had like people coming up to us in all of the parties afterwards, saying like really nice stuff. Well, they're amazing parties. So my question is, like, you have all these people at this party, and there's this massive space, and you're busy. You're up there <laughs> being a DJ, right? How, how do you manage that space, or, like, what do you want to see in that space? Loaded question. It is a loaded <laughs> question, because we talked about this concept of trying to create a safe space, creating an awareness team, thinking about, like, having some rules that are set up before mm-hmm. folks enter the space. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to think about that? Number one, I think it's comes from not only maybe like an maybe an empathetic aspect towards everyone that like you want people if you're going out to a party to be able to have fun, right? Another aspect I think comes from personal experiences that we've both had in the past of terrible experiences at parties, right? Like and for various different reasons, not just like sexual harassment, but also like violence or like even um, discrimination. Mostly like with you, like just based on like your gender expression. One time when we were at a party, this is back in Portugal, so I was wearing a hat, like a, a cap, right? Like and it was backwards. And this group of dudes just passed by us and they just went like on the head like and like flipped it off of my head. No, it's the least because you were also they also locked you in a room at some point. Oh my god, that's true at another party. <laughs> that's so true. I think wow. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like unlocked a memory. I was like, oh my god, that's true. But that one I felt comfortable at least in the sense that like I knew I was at the place that I was putting the party on and it was like with a group of friends that I had so I knew that if I needed people to come defend me I had very intimidating a lot of intimidating two meter tall people you know that could come help me but I think so yeah from a lot of like yeah I mean yeah I just want to create like there's I don't think there's a there's such thing as a guaranteed 
safe space, right? We can make a space the safest possible, the safer possible, and to have the tools needed to combat a situation in case a situation arises. I think also because we really emphasize this whole aspect of booty shaking because it's so like yep. central to funk, you know, that's how you dance to it. And if you're really emphasizing it and want people to feel comfortable to fully dance how they want or like being able to just, yeah, put themselves in a vulnerable position like that, then you need to also create a space that like protects that vulnerability and not just yeah, exposes them to For sure. possible problems. Sure. But I think that's also what we are very much talking about because it's very, I mean, definitely we can't be the awareness team and we don't even have the skills to be an awareness mm -hmm. team. Um, so finding people to do this awareness and making sure that like they are trained in some way to deal with these situations um, is also something that like, yeah, we're, we're sure. thinking about and talking about because yeah, we don't also have financial means to just like hire teams all the time and how we can like yeah balance this i think that's also one of the reasons that like we wanted to uh, slow down with Octoboost a little bit now take a break go back to the drawing board and you know think back of these things that we've talked a lot about of like mm. what's important for us what is like not only what's important but like what's the minimum things we need to put on an event if we're gonna play it somewhere, right? Mm. We want to have at least um, five people that can be around and be there to help in case there needs to be some type of help. Or, I don't know, this is still like an ongoing, I think, conversation about like, what's right and what's not right to do also. Should you bar people from coming in? Should you not? Mm -hmm. Should you have people write up to you for the event before so you know what who's coming there but then like that makes things a bit more inaccessible in a way also if you just stumble upon the event on the moment or a friend of yours wants to take you or something so yeah thinking of that of what's what's what what are the tools needed for creating the best experience we can create mm -hmm. right nothing's guaranteed but we can at least do the best we can for something right I think a starting point is maybe thinking about what's helped you when you were in that position as a party goer feel safe. Um, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, for me, I think definitely being in queer spaces has always been the safest places I've felt. And I'm not saying that there isn't problems or there, there can't be situations mm -hmm. that arise and that's not. But I told this Philippa when we played for the first time, I left and I went home and I was thinking, It's crazy because if I was 16 and I looked at someone who looks like me, who's kind of chubby, who's mask looking and who's trying to unapologetically shake their booty, even though they're not the best at booty shaking mm -hmm. at an event, mm -hmm. I would have been so fulfilled as a teenager to be like, wow, okay, so I don't have to be like a, a gorgeous cis femme looking woman to be able to like be like this not that i ever thought i needed to but you know the world sucks around us and it puts ideas in our head so like i think that that also brought me that thing of like yeah i want to make i want to create the spaces for for everyone right regardless of everything that you can just come and want to unapologetically be yourself and move your body right yeah. but there is also a lot of layers i mean we have for like sure. 
first-hand experience on this, at least like queer or like sexual harassment part, but then there's other like levels of discrimination that like we don't go through and parties are also for, I don't know, for sure. BIPOC people or deaf people or I don't know, the list goes on and on. So like how can we also make the events safe for these communities for sure. or more inclusive for these communities? Yeah. More inviting even. More inviting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a whole... This is where I get to the point that I said to you that I have a lot more questions than I have answers about anything, right? Yeah. I think answer. I think asking the questions are is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for you don't sure. have to like reinvent the wheel as well. Right? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I think it's even more. We get even more from just reflecting sometimes, and mm. sometimes realizing that there isn't an easy answer is a lot more important than actually finding an answer for it, yeah. right? But. Yeah. A lot of the questions about like where is our space in playing Brazilian funk, right? Mm -hmm. Like as two white people that come from like a middle class background, right, or from their childhood and whatnot. Like, is it our place? Should we be doing such a thing? Are we taking someone else's space? Are we not? Like, I don't know. These are all questions that like go through, you know, through one's head, and I think. Our heads. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. One in How academic. <laughs> I blame this because I'm listening to Judith Butler's gender problem, gender trouble now on on audiobook. Oh, it's stuck in my head. With the one, 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 one. <laughs> one. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. One is great. Like I, I love English for all this like non-gendered language that we have. Yeah. In for English. sure. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Compared to Portuguese, it's super, like, I don't know, even tables have a gender, like... That <laughs> is <laughs> <laughs> And it's so bizarre that, like, a table is male in German, but is female in Portuguese. Oh, wow. Like, none of that makes sense. Wow. <laughs> like, I have, I have some questions. <laughs> Why? Why? Yeah. I don't get it. Wow. Well. So, you are creating this space that would have been uplifting for you as a young queer bee, apparently. And I think that's like so important. I think it like propels so much of us. How do you think that like your community or people in Vienna can support you in that? I mean, personally, I was telling Philip, we were standing there in front of it, looking at the, the big calendar for events here at Villa Vida, and I was just saying that, you know, when we came... When I came to Vienna, because Philippa had been here for like six or seven months before I, I moved here, and she one day invited me. She said, oh, "Let's go get a, a drink at this queer bar um, called Villa Vida," and we came over. Um, uh, I don't know. I just remember I was like, "That is so cool! Like a queer space that feels very inviting." And then I'm looking at like the calendar and stuff. Like, there's so many opportunities to see and be part of a community in a space like this. And there are other spaces like this in Vienna, for sure. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it just feels, it feels good to meet a community and meet people that, you know, look like you or think like you or, you know, understand maybe fundamentally something you've struggled with before or, you know, 
Oh, no. I'm a, yeah, bisexuals are radical. <laughs> for sure. Very radical. We're for at the sure. forefront of so much. For sure. For sure. We're like the silent majority of queer people. Uh-huh. For sure. <laughs> for sure. And I think it's such a... It, it, there is a... Obviously, you can speak about this a lot better than I can, but I think there is, like, it is a different experience to be, like, like the struggles of navigating our world as a bisexual person are different than navigating the world as a gay person and as a lesbian person, or, you know, like, in, in those terms, more like that. I mean, I guess it's the same thing, like, also for you, in a sense that, like, you break the binary, so... Mm. It's just that. I mean, you get hate from both sides. You get love from both sides. <laughs> you survive in the middle. <laughs> and, Amen. Yeah. We're squished in the middle sometimes mm-hmm. also. Yeah. I mean, a community is so important for me, definitely. I felt so alienated my whole life from mm-hmm. everything, from everybody in terms of gender, in terms of thinking, in terms of uh, sexuality and all that sense. And then, like, just meeting a bunch of people that honestly are so different within it it feels so nice to you know like just how many years did i spend thinking i was the only lesbian there was i'm like i'm the (laughs) only gay there is there's no one like this and then suddenly they started popping up and like what and i also feel like quite here in vienna it's also quite privileged at least compared to like portugal because there are active communities like i feel like in portugal we couldn't even find like i mean queer bars were very, I mean, male-dominated and very also, like, nightclubs. There weren't really, like, spaces to really, I don't know, chill with people or get to meet queer people if you were, like, gay bee. And, yeah, and I feel like in general in Vienna has, like, quite an active, whether it's feminist or climate activist or queer Mm -hmm. activists. For sure. So I feel like in general the community is quite, like, is active in doing things. Yeah, for sure. Inventing like new projects and stuff like this. Yeah, and from silly things to very serious things, or, <laughs> you know, like it's really cool to see like such a huge. Yeah, also because you need both. It's not just because I feel like maybe at some times the only times I've found like these communities were at like protests and things like this, but never at like parties or karaoke nights or things like this, you know. And yeah, it's not just like protest every day. <laughs> Yeah. Gotta rest from it also. Yeah. Get your legs up and you running to, again. You have to be fighting for something. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have come to time. <laughs> and I have my final question, which is what is your queer truth? Like what is this like central driving thing that you would say is your queer truth? It could also be silly. <laughs> <laughs> my queer truth. I think it's I think it's as simple and as complicated and as complex as trying to be as truthful to yourself as possible in every sense of yourself, you know, allowing yourself to be silly, allowing yourself to be serious, allowing yourself to make mistakes, allowing yourself to grow from those mistakes, allowing yourself to to be, to exist, to to fail and to get up and to seek self-betterment always and forever you know as as long as you can with everything to think to love to love others to love yourself and to not judge yourself as much as you can you know look back at who you used to be who you are 
And you know, I think, wow, wouldn't you know the who I, who I used to be wouldn't be so proud of who I am now in any way, shape, or form. It is, you know, because we all go through things, and I think I think that's it. I think in a lot of ways, queer is resistance, and resisting is hard, and fighting is hard, and being political. Just your existence. Everyone's existence is political. Everything's political. But <laughs> being queer is so political all the time, and sometimes just just being it's so refreshing, you know, forgetting that it's so political and just just being, just allowing, you know. For me, I think there's like one word that like really pops into my head, which is like fluidity. And I mean, this started more out of like my own sexuality because the amount of times I was just like, oh my god, I'm straight, but just like pretending to be a lesbian. No, I'm really a lesbian. But like, Mm-hmm. You know, and going from one box to another the entire time and realizing like you can be, there are no boxes, we're just like floating around. And, and yeah, and then this goes to things like, I don't know, gender expression, gender identity. And you can even extrapolate this for so much more stuff in your life. Like things are fluid, people change all the time, we are constantly changing and we evolve all the time, our ideas are changing. and. Yeah, just allowing for a space where you can really be comfortable with the fact that like you are, are not the same person as you were yesterday and you're not going to be the same person tomorrow and not being like harsh on yourself or onto others about not fitting particular boxes and just yeah, accepting this fluidity like very zen like peaceful like ocean <laughs> thing but i feel like yeah a lot of times we punish each other and we punish ourselves for not like fitting into whatever category whether that's like i don't know your own identity other people's identities um whatever labels you use to describe yourself even like i don't know for work not just like your sexuality and yeah you don't have to fit like such a rigid thing like like labels and stuff like it's like language was not meant to accommodate for the complexity that we are so just allowing for this everything but universe, universities will always try yeah. <laughs> very hard and try very hard. hard to make the language accommodate Oof. the evolving human beings absolutely there's this yeah. one quote from a brazilian singing songwriter which is i prefer to be this walking metamorphosis than to have that same old opinion of every day I think that's so true. Yeah. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Thank you yeah. so much for doing Artbrusta. You don't know how much it means to me to be able in the midst of all of the hard work and all of the politics and all of the internal Yeah, I mean, this was the starting point for us, so. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs>